is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? This is Talkin' Cowboys. Streaming live from the Dallas Cowboys World Headquarters at the Star in Frisco. Hand on Elliott, plowing to the goal line. Barry, sacked by Lord. Prescott keeps it, and he bangs it into the touchdown. It's another Tuesday edition of Talking Cowboys here on DallasCowboys.com. Glad you're with us throughout the course of the next hour. We'll be diving into Mike McCarthy. We'll be diving into the linebacker situation. And then we'll also have a special guest. We'll look a little bit different in that final segment. Patrick Creighton, former Cowboys wide receiver, joins us and good friend of Isaiah Stanback, our resident Super Bowl champion and Isaiah I know you've got some uh you've got some trash talking to do after some bowling last night so I'm looking forward to that but mm-hmm. alongside Isaiah you got myself Kyle Yeomans Rob Phillips Heckma Harrison we're glad to be with you and guys before we kind of dive in and get into the Dallas Cowboys which we're going to have plenty of like I said Mike McCarthy linebackers we've got plenty of Cowboys to dive into I wanted to address something really quickly and much like all of you who are probably listening or watching this podcast, either live or after it's recorded, you're just like me. You come to these podcasts for a little bit of a distraction. You come to hear about the Dallas Cowboys. You come to to get away from the world, and I promise you'll get all of that, but that'll come in about five minutes. But first, we simply wouldn't be human if we didn't take a second to speak from the heart about some of the events that have conspired over the past couple of days. And uh, I wanted to start things out by saying I have family in law enforcement. I, I pray for them every single day because of how dangerous and how unpredictable that their job could be throughout the course of any given day uh, over the course of their career and what they choose to do for a living. But now also because of just a, a select few people, a very select few people that are also in that line of business, I also have to pray for friends of mine. And uh, this is something that I've been really thinking about over the last couple of days, but they're not necessarily people that I'm friends that I'm praying about because they have dangerous jobs or because they, they, they're maybe in front lines of a potential pandemic that's been serving our country or our world over the last couple of weeks, uh, but rather because they also have to go out into their daily worlds, whether they're going on a jog or they're going elsewhere, fearing for their life just because of the color of their own skin, because of the way that they're perceived by a different race. And, uh, in a country that's founded on its principles of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that's not what, what that is. All three of those things are not into the definition of what I just named. Because at the end of the day, all of these protests that are happening throughout our country and even throughout the world in some parts, it's not about black versus white. It's not about cops or citizens. It's not about Democrat or Republican. It's about finally seeing each other as God's children. And if you're not religious, if you're, you're not religious at all, just seeing each other as humans. And that's kind of the biggest thing. It's to end racism finally and get rid of all of those voices that have been crying out for years and years by hearing those voices first. And, and that's what these all are about so that no man or woman should have to live in fear solely because of the color of their skin. I just really wanted to say that. If you're still listening, thank you for sticking around. 
I hope you speak out as well. It's really scary for me as somebody who doesn't know that struggle and doesn't always talk about their political beliefs on air. I don't. I try and stay away from it as much as possible on air. But we live in crucial times, Hekma. Yeah, Kyle, I, I think what you said was, was spot on. I, I appreciate that, uh, what you said. Um, you know, I'm just like everybody else when I've been you know, staring at my television, watching a lot of this unfold. And I just want to be completely blunt and honest with you. Uh, the, the Floyd death was heartbreaking. It, it was heartbreaking to see that uh, play out over and over and over and over again uh, over the last week. Uh, it, it breaks my heart as an African-American. But I realize, and just having this platform, I think it's very important that we address uh, this issue and say something about it. And I believe that there's a perception problem. You know, I once heard the term, you know, perception is reality. But guys, a lot of times as an African-American, your perception isn't my reality. And those are the things that we need to gather and talk about, how you perceive African-Americans. If, if I'm walking in, in a parking lot and there's a you know, white woman ahead of me that rushes to her car to lock her doors because she thinks that I'm going to do something to her, that's not the perception. I'm just walking to my car. And it's not my responsibility as an American to make you feel comfortable about walking to your car, uh, walking into an elevator with you and, and making you be say, hello, how are you? And be extra nice to you so you feel disarmed by my presence. That's not, what's, that's not what I'm gonna do. I'm an American, I'm a taxpaying citizen just like everyone else. I expect to be treated fairly. I expect for my children to grow up in an environment where they don't have, I don't have to worry about their life, but that's not the reality of the situation. And so mm -hmm. this perception that people have, and, and, and especially when it comes down to law enforcement, and I don't want to paint this with a broad brush because it is police brutality that needs to be talked about. And the perception that I could possibly be an enemy to them is something that we all need to sit down and we could talk about it until we're blue in the face, but there are policies and things that need to change to that regard so that we feel protected just like every other citizen. Yeah, heck, um, I know on my, I, I'm always very outspoken when it comes to um, divide and when it comes to uh, mistreatment, abuse of power, um, all those social issues. I, I am never the one to be quiet. So I, I, I shared something on my personal page, on my Instagram page and Facebook the other day. And um, I'm usually really strategic when I decide to speak because it's hard to really channel emotions um, that, that, you, that, you, that you feel that you take on out of response of seeing something like we all saw um, you know, the, the, you know, the, other, the other week. And um, Unfortunately, this isn't the first time that we're seeing these things. Unfortunately, this isn't the first time that these things are happening. They've been happening for a long time. So, um, as I mentioned before, on my personal page, these these actions that you're seeing from, you know, like, like like Kyle said, a select few, is it's it's built up, right? It's built up. It's been accruing for years. Um, I, you know, I have it. Others have it. You know, it's just, it really depends on. It, on how mature you are or, or, or how you decide to 
um, I, I can't say that one one way of, of, of releasing your your anger is better than the other, right? I, I can't say that because emotions are emotions. But you know, I choose one route; others choose another. But I, I've seen these things happen, right? I've seen it in the neighborhood that I grew up in. I've seen the abuse of power. I've been profiled more times than I could even sit here and tell you. Um, I've been followed. My family's been followed. I've been pulled over. I've had to have these conversations with my daughter as to because of how she looks. This is what goes on. I've had to have conversations with the school board. Why don't you recognize the African American History Month? Why is that? Oh, the response. Oh, we just didn't think about it, right? So there's so many things that that have to be peeled back. Um, Kyle, I appreciate you taking the time. I've received many phone calls, many text messages from from um, others that don't look like me, right? Um, and, um, and just expressing um, after viewing my video, expressing just their this this their sincere um, heartache. Um, you know, neighbors bringing stuff over and just just sharing that it's important, right? We need people to speak up. We need people to go out and vote, right? There's a lot of things going on right now. Right now, there's a thing on social media saying blackout, right? Blackout Tuesday. Hey, listen, I'm all for certain things. However, let's not be let's not be silly and not think that they, you know that that there's not there's not initiatives on the back end or people that are putting things out there that they're they're all for the same mission. They're not. There's Blackout Tuesday just so happens to be on the same day that there's a primary election going on today in Pennsylvania, D.C., New Mexico, so and in, and in other states. Let's not let's not be fooled and think that this is just happening so cause and let's all ride for it. Let's 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 take a step back, take emotion out of it, do your research, do your homework, and let's make some strategic decisions. Then we can all come together. I'm angry. There's a lot of people that are angry. Um, let's just be, you know, let's be smart about how we respond to these things. Um, I can't tell people how to how to respond, but um, we can we we can have we, this this could take a whole hour. So let's um let's cut it there. I just I just um uh, you know it, we're, we're we're tired of it. I, I can tell you I'm tired of it. Uh, emotionally drained, and um, you know. I, I pray and, and, and hope that we can get through this and, and get beyond this. But there's gonna these are generational curses that we have to break and we have to start now. I, I totally agree with what you guys said. It's well said, and you know, for me as a new dad, when I, I'm, I'm reading about George Floyd over the weekend, and I didn't know that you know he has a six-year-old daughter that lives mm -hmm. in Texas, and as a new father. It's like it's haunting to think about how she's got to grow up uh, living with how her father died publicly, and it's it's just it's heartbreaking as Heckma said. It's wrong, um, and and something's got to change. And, and you guys said it so well. I mean, it, it, as Kyle said earlier, it's it's not just a, a, a challenge for the African American community. It's it's a, this is a human issue. This is something mm -hmm. everyone who's got a moral compass should look at and say something absolutely has to change. And, yep. um, you know, people out there trying to affect change peacefully and in the past few days, and, and I, I stand with that cause because it's, it's definitely needed in our society. We're better than this. Very well said by, by each one of you, and it's, it's just time to, to move on from racism and, and to finally look at each other for what's on the inside rather than what's on the outside. Now, that's it. We're going to put it in the review mirror. We're going to talk some Cowboys now. We're going to move on and dive in because there's still plenty to get to, even though it is the first week of June, guys. First off, it's June 2nd, which is just wild to me. The fact that we're already in, in the sixth month of the year and we're already just kind of barreling toward what training camp could be here in the next month and a half. We're, we're about six weeks away from the scheduled start of training camp and 
Mike McCarthy had a chance to talk about what training camp could potentially look at. He had a conference call this past week with the media of the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And Rob, you were on that conference call. What were some of the highlights that uh, you kind of took away from that call and were able to at least dive into what this virtual offseason looks like? Well, he was Mike McCarthy was pretty candid in that he wouldn't flat out say, look, I feel like we're behind because every other team in the league is in the same situation. But he's realistic about the fact that if they were able to have a normal offseason, they probably would be far ahead of where they are right now. It's just the nature of things. I, one thing I thought was interesting is the way he's approached this. Uh, he talked about just relying on his own instincts and experience because he really doesn't have it. Uh, despite mm -hmm. being a head coach in the league for almost 20 years. But one thing he's done with the virtual program is kind of reverse things. And he started off having players in position meetings right off the bat, diving into schematic material and getting caught up with the volume of that, which is it's, it's more of a challenge for a team like this because it's new. It, it's a lot of new stuff. And more of the big picture stuff, save that for later. Let's just get a head start and get as fast as, as quickly as we can get acclimated to this for when we can't get back together. And Isaiah, that seemed like it was kind of flipped a little bit, but he felt like the volume there that they have to absorb, especially younger players, rookies coming into the league, it was important to get right into it with the position groups and get going. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I mean, go, I, I, yeah, go ahead, I, I'll just double back and get shooter over to you. Heck no, it's... And that is the most important thing, and I'm glad that he took the time to mention that that's where the focus is because that is where the weight of uh, this offseason really lays right now, really really lies. And the, the amount of information, I wish I could show you guys a playbook right now, but the amount of information that has to be uh, consumed during this period of time with the new with a new staff and a new system is is uh, is it's a lot. It is insurmountable, and 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 these guys really needed to dive directly into that because there's there's a, there's a classroom aspect. Aspect, right there's classroom where you where you sit up there and you're studying and you're and you're and you're consuming information hundreds of plays per day right and you're just digesting that you're just just old school board work right and then there's an application side of things right and so you go from the classroom uh, you do a little film study and then you go straight to the field and you apply it and that's what really makes it stick that's what really makes it resonate with you and allows for you to really digest it so that you can then move on right so the issue that I see that these guys that, that the Cowboys are going to encounter is they're having the classroom sessions right they're having they probably have some film sessions that they have homework to do but they don't have the application side so how much is this is really going to resonate and going to stick with them when they actually get a chance to touch the field they're going to be doing a lot of doubling back tripling back just to go over basic information that like you like you guys already mentioned rob um they wouldn't have to be trying to go over at this point in time in the offseason yeah, I thought it was very um, I thought it was very interesting to hear him point out the fact that, you know, offensively they were going to try to remain with a lot of the same terminology just so that guys would be familiar with uh, with, you know, with those terms. Uh, he knows that, you know, in this whole new COVID-19 America, that these things are these are very interesting times and. The whole teaching method, not only for Mike McCarthy, but for the league, uh, has had to change. And so making sure that he's up to date with the times is very important. He talked about climate control and just dealing with the climate that you're in. Uh, and, and I thought that was very important for him to say. And also uh, his research, uh, his data mining, his old R&D stuff. You know, how many uh, meetings would they have had up until this point? How many practices would they have had up until this point? And Rob, you're right. He, he fell short of just saying 
we're behind right now, you know, but he know he knows that everybody else is behind as well. And so it's a very unique challenge uh, for all coaches, but especially him being a new coach and wanting to implement his system. Uh, he said he didn't have a, a way to have like 90 boxes on his computer so that he could address everyone at one time. So that's probably why he was you know, doing the, everything in the group setting, but making sure that he introduced himself to his players and let them know that he's available uh, at this point is the best he can do. But as far as the teaching part of it, he's leaving a lot of that up to his position guys, making sure that they're able to regurgitate the information that they're receiving, testing these guys to make sure that they're getting. And I think, you know, look, with, with everybody being in the same barrel, uh, I'm sure Mike McCarthy is looking forward to the opportunity to actually see and greet his guys. Well, and we're also in a transition period. We're going from one offense to another offense. Kellen Moore, of course, being the offensive coordinator for both. But this is still going to be a little bit of a new look because Mike McCarthy has his hands over this offense. And Isaiah, you kind of talked about the application side of the process. You you have this all digestion, and then you finally have a chance to apply it. It's almost like your tests and your studying in college, and then you actually go out and do it for a job later on for following graduation you don't get that just yet you there's a little bit of a space in between but how important is that application process it's huge i mean think go i mean i take everybody back to school right go back to high school when everybody had science class right imagine having science class and you didn't have lab right How, how much how much information would you actually remember Right. How much would you actually be able to apply? Right. So, you know, like I said, it's it's very important to be able to get on the field and run those routes. Yes, I could look up here and say, hey, you run 14 yards turn here and I could do that all day long on paper. Right. But until I get out there and do it and I have the timing of it, right, the quarterback puts it on the proper shoulder, you know, the right location with the right, you know, in the right formation with the right motion, the right timing. All those things matter. It matters, matters, matters. Don't get me wrong. Classroom is 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 huge. However, the only way in which you really advance is by going out there and getting those reps. And you cannot, you I repeat, you cannot get those reps that these guys have missed back. You can't get them back. Yeah, you just can't. That's such a great analogy, you know, the lab versus just looking at it on a chalkboard. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it's so true. And, and like, I, you can apply it because you can apply it to any sport, really. We get out there and you practice. Not only are you you're going over plays, but... Things can happen off of that play that you have to adjust to that you can't see on on film. It's got to happen live. And so, yep. look, every team's dealing with it. One thing I thought that he said that was really interesting that I didn't expect him to say was that this might be the most experienced team he's had. And mm-hmm. I, that, that really surprised yeah. me because, I mean, he's won a Super Bowl, you know, and, and he's he's been – uh, he's brought a team back a year later that won a title. Yeah. And But when you think about it, there, there are certain positions on this roster that are extremely experienced, offensive line being one of them. Um, and some of the young guys on this team are leaders and key players that have playoff experience already. If you go through all the, um, all the projected starting quarterbacks in this league, uh, there's probably less than a dozen that have more starts in the league than Dak Prescott. So that, that's, that's a solid uh, thing to inherit for Mike McCarthy. And they've, they've added, we talked about guys they've added, defensive linemen. Uh, with a lot of experience, Poe, McCoy, Alvin Smith. Uh, so they do have experience, and that's one thing he said, because somebody asked a really good question, uh, do you try to dial back the volume that you're giving your players because it's all virtual? And he said, because of the experience that we have on this team, I feel comfortable you know, handling the normal volume that I would with a new scheme coming in. 
Yeah, Rob, and that's where that's where he was is talking about trusting his instincts and trusting the group of guys uh, that he has. But also, you know, as you know, Isaiah, it's coaches are always you know, coaching for situations. It, yep. You know, they call it situational awareness, right? Whether it be the two-minute drill, hash marks, whatever, whatever's going on, coaches are coaching for that, and these are the times to try to implement that. I, I think it's going to be very special. You know, uh, it's going to be a special thing uh, for Mike McCarthy once he gets his guys in because then he can lay his head on his pillow at night knowing that his guys are aware right now. All of these things that he's using as a teaching tool for these guys sitting in their living room still doesn't give him a feel as a coach for his team. And so these are just words that he's throwing out because he understands in order to actually know what's going on with these guys, he has to put them through the ringer. Guys have to pass condition tests, all of those things. But at the same time, coaching them up, understanding that when this hap- this happens, this is what you do. You can't get, you can't simulate that with the computer. You have to be on the field. You have to get those live reps. I mean, friendly fire is one thing, but getting out there and seeing it happen live is a completely different thing. And I think that lab analogy that you brought up I like that. I like that a lot. <laughs> I didn't know we would be talking about so much science labs in the middle of the but hey, it's, I'm, I'm all for it. I was big in the science in high school. Now, uh, Rob, you kind of mentioned the, the experience and, and how experienced this roster is compared to what Mike McCarthy has had to deal with in the past. One thing that was encouraging to me that he talked about was just how quickly the rookies have been picking up the installment of what they're trying to do in the playbook and everything involved. They have rookie meet or veteran meetings in the mornings where the rookies are involved and they've implemented the rookies into those meetings and then after that you you turn around and you have the rookie meetings specifically uh, in the afternoon so they're getting a double dose of their two-a-day classroom study and because of that they've caught up to where the veterans are in the the installment and I know Mike McCarthy might have just been throwing out some coach speak maybe it was a a confident shot in the arm for the rookies that he has. But, Rob, do you believe what he's saying in terms of some of these rookies and these younger guys picking it up just as quickly? Well, I think the point you made about is a good one, about having their, their own time in the afternoon to continue to, to study up. Because they are behind. When you think about the dates, I think April 20th was when the veterans got started virtually. So they missed a couple weeks there. And in addition to the fact that uh, they're brand new coming into this thing, mm-hmm. I think from a volume standpoint, yes, they probably are caught up. I do think the on-the-field part of it, it, it that that's where <clears> I think the veterans yeah. probably just have an inherent advantage just because they've been at this level, live reps in person. Isaiah may disagree with that, but I just think, you know, in theory, I think it's going to take maybe a little longer for rookies to step on the field. And Because think about it, though. This is going back all the way since January where they really haven't been in football mode they've been in job interviews basically trying to get drafted um so it, they need to get back on the field as quickly as possible it's just not up to them now they also kind of went into the fact or mike mccarthy actually went into the fact of oxnard frisco there's two separate options as to how training camp could potentially be done they're planning for both in full they they want to make sure that Oxnard, if that's the choice, is ready to go. And if it's Frisco, that that's ready to go. But how different would those two look? And and how would things kind of change and fluctuate back and forth, Rob? Well, I, you know, I mean, they, they viewed Frisco, the Frisco portion, as training camp in the past few years. It's only about a week or so, maybe 10 days, 
Um, but, you know, they're, they're comfortable, obviously, with their facilities when they can use them. I think the difference is, I think having two, two grass fields in Oxnard is a difference, and as well as being able to practice outside in very moderate temperatures. That, that's, <laughs> that's very, and I say that very, I put that lightly, I guess, right? That's, uh, <laughs> it's beyond moderate compared to what it is in, in August here. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, those two grass fields, I think it's easier on the players' bodies and uh, especially in pads, and then and then obviously the temperatures. I love them too. So, you know, we'll see if we can get back out there. Isaiah, is there any difference as to where training camp could be from a player standpoint? Absolutely. Uh, this is not the year going back to Oxnard. No disrespect to the California IAs. Y'all know, y'all know I'm West Coast till I die, but um, <laughs> this is not the year. There's been too much that's gone on. We don't even know if we're going to have fans in the stands. Um, it, it doesn't make sense right now with everything that's going on in the league, but especially with the Cowboys, with the new coach, COVID-19, coming off, you know, not not being at the, in your facilities in, in, a, in, a, in a proper time span. You're going to be rushing to try to get all this information. You're going to be rushing to try to get um, reps. You're going to be rushing to get guys healthy because the guys will get hurt. There's going to be a lot of soft tissue injuries coming off of this, right? So there's no there, – you do not need to be in, in, in Oxnard, California right now trying to get your marketing dollars right now, Jerry. I'm sorry. I love you, but uh, keep this thing right here. That was at a $1.5 billion, $2 billion facility that you got over there. Let's utilize that thing this year. Yeah, I think it's going to be extra special. Um, you know, well, this, this special set of circumstances surrounding COVID-19, I think that makes it equally as hard uh, to see a training camp in, you know, in California. But who knows, you know, I think at this point, with all of the speculation and, and just the, the realm of sports in general and looking at deadlines, it's all conjecture. We're all just trying to figure out if this is actually going to happen, but it, it makes for a great topic. But I think at the at the end of the day, uh, the Cowboys are going to do what is best suited for the health of the team. Um, and, and Rob, just I want to go back to what you, you were saying about the two grass fields and just the weather conditions. That's why they go out to California. So everybody gloats about the weather in California. 74, 75 degrees, California. I mean, you got to love that. In comparison to 110 and the devil walking the streets, right? <laughs> it's hot because it's hot. And, and you know... And you know it's hot here, and so that's got to make a, a major difference, especially with implementing uh, a new offense. And I'm sure for Mike McCarthy, he is hoping that they are out in California as well because he don't know nothing about this Texas heat. <laughs> but you nailed it, Heck. You're right. They're, they're not going to do anything. There's so many variables involved in this, and we just yeah. don't know. Yeah. Uh, and, and so they're not going to do anything that's going to put – uh, the team at risk or is going to present a lot of logistical challenges, uh, right. as Isaiah pointed out. So we'll just have to see. Uh, but there is there is a reason why they go out there. It is pretty nice out there in the summertime. <laughs> Man, and it's been a crazy offseason for all of us, whether we're media or fans of the Cowboys, but especially for the coaching staff. I mean, I, I don't even know what it would be like, and I don't want to know what it would be like to be in Mike McCarthy's shoes coming in out of not being in coaching for a year and then all of these obstacles are thrown your way it's been a it's been a tough offseason for him but man there's been a lot of additions made throughout the course of the offseason that are very positive for the Dallas Cowboys which makes us ask the question what is the biggest question mark on defense we'll tell you what position it is and how they fix it when we come back here on Talking Cowboys I'm Jay Novacek former tight end for the Dallas Cowboys 
Back in the day, I was the guy who always got the tough yards, and that's why I run with John Deere today. In fact, I have a John Deere 3025E tractor that can handle any yard work I need to do, even the tough yards way out back. So if you have one acre or a thousand, John Deere has the equipment that's just right for you. Visit a John Deere dealer today and run with us. We are the official tractor provider of your Dallas Cowboys. Essilor is a proud sponsor of the Dallas Cowboys, helping fans see more and do more with our best vision solutions. Our lens technologies reveal a world more beautiful than you can imagine. For a limited time, get the Essilor Next Gen offer. When you buy the latest generation of Transitions lenses with select Essilor lenses, you can choose a second pair of clear lenses for free with qualifying frame purchases. Restrictions apply. Find a participating eye care professional by visiting EssilorUSA.com. Essilor. See more. Do more. Want to use what the pros use? How about the official men's skincare brand of the Dallas Cowboys? Jack Black. Right now you can get the Jack Black Starter, a curated collection of Cowboys locker room favorites for just 10 bucks with free shipping. The starter includes four Jack Black skincare favorites plus a full-sized intense therapy lip balm. Go to getjackblack.com slash cowboys and use the code word TEAMJB. That's getjackblack.com slash cowboys. The Jack Black Starter, 10 bucks. Free shipping! Your new apartment's big. Such a great deal. Uh, it's okay. Just okay? What's not too... It's right above the subway! Well, I bet you don't even notice it after the... That's my neighbor, Angus! A deal that's just okay is not okay. Get a great deal with America's Best Network. Come into an AT&T store to find out how to get one of our popular smartphones for $0 down. Based on GWS1 score, September 2019. Back to Talking Cowboys. Segment, segment number two here of Talking Cowboys here on this Tuesday morning. Glad you're with us on DallasCowboys.com or the various platforms you could hear us on. Heck, Harrison, Isaiah Stanback. The great Rob Phillips. I'm Kyle Yeomans. And before we get into this segment, I want to remind you that season tickets are on sale now for this upcoming 2020 season. Single game tickets on sale as well. DallasCowboys.com slash tickets. Go get your tickets today. It's going to be a schedule chuck full of impressive games and hopefully a very winning Dallas Cowboys team whenever we get to that point of playing football in 2020. But guys, I talked about the offseason additions. We talked about the virtual offseason just a bit ago, but with all of the additions, defensively, you've added both defensive tackles and Dontari Poe and Jill McCoy. Oh, by the way, Neville Gallimore was a third-round pick, and he's got some upside to him as well. You've added some corners. You've added some secondary depth throughout the course of the entire offseason. There hasn't necessarily been a whole lot of addition on the linebacking core, and I kind of wanted to dive into what the, the linebackers are looking at heading into 2020. And we saw a video the other day, Leighton Vander Esch, a 41-inch vertical off of one leg, looking pretty solid in terms of his rehab and, and coming back from that neck injury a year ago. And uh, my question is, is does this do, do anything for you, the fact that he has that 41-inch vertical and he's having fun out there, showing off his athleticism? Does it do anything for you in terms of a uh, at least somebody looking at a player that is coming back from an injury. 
I mean, I, I thought it was wonderful. I also, did you see Jordan Lewis do the same jump as well? Jordan Lewis is 5'8", <laughs> right? 5'8", five, five, how tall? I don't know how tall Jordan Lewis is. 5'9", 5'8", five, five, eight, five, eight. yeah. 5'8", and I mean, he same one-leg jump. Um, but all that tells me about LVE is that he's explosive. Anytime a guy has that kind mm-hmm. of uh, vertical. Uh, but we are we knew that. And, and, I mean, it was a spectacle, something to see a guy that size with a 41-inch vertical. But, guys, I, I think the line linebacker group, um, you know, this is going to be a, a group that we're going to watch very closely, especially Jalen Smith. We And we talked about him a few shows ago, and I'm really excited about him and his opportunity uh, in Mike Nolan's defense because he's that piece that you can move around. Uh, when I look down the, the roster and also, you know, the health of LVE, uh, Van Der Esch is very important uh, to this club, but the signing of Sean Lee uh, let me know everything that I needed to know about what the Cowboys thought about the other group. You know, I think Luke Gifford is that that guy that's in the group that everyone is thinking of. You know, he has a, a, a great upside as far as his potential. Uh, but he is a guy, if you go back over his career at Nebraska, he had some some hip injuries, season ending hip, hip injuries. So staying healthy. Has been his thing. Has been his thing. But also Joe Thomas, March, all of those guys. Um, I think they have a large role to play. But these linebackers, uh, this linebacker group, man, they are definitely going to have to be a lot more solid than they were last year. Because if you look over the Green Bay game, the Vikings game, the running game in general during those two games, you know, it was it was because of the poor linebacker play or just upfront play in general. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the continuity of this group more so than anything. Um, obviously, we've touched on this a number of times on the show in terms of their their health uh, concerns at that position and their depth at that position. Kyle, you alluded to the fact that they haven't added a whole lot of depth there, and that's very true. And I'm concerned about that um, as somebody who's had a ton of injuries themselves. Um, they have some, some things that they need to worry about. Obviously, Lee can't afford to get any more concussions, um, and we can't have, you know, Vander Esch, you know, he, I'm concerned about him being able to run and hit like he wants to, right? Um, he's excited. He's he's athletic. All those guys are, right? Um, but th- there is concern there because it doesn't take much. It takes one bad angle and all of a sudden he's back sideline again. So these are things that we don't wish upon anybody, but these are real issues that we have to be prepared for. And I don't think that we've addressed it and positioned ourselves to be ready to handle that should those issues present themselves again. But, you know, I'm excited about that front, that front uh, line. Uh, allowing these guys to run free and I'm looking forward to seeing that energy that all of them bring especially Jalen and Vander Esch those two leads kind of like the the, 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 the clear headed one in terms of being calm and being that young mm-hmm. Jedi but those two on the outside are going to be able to run free and I'm looking forward to seeing them all come together and just have fun because they are going to be able to run and make plays uh, you know they're going to be in position to have, have a lot more blitzes than they've ever had um, so it should be it should be fun to watch Hey Rob, did I take all of your points? No, you didn't. <laughs> I, I knew I knew that was possible, so I did some I did some research today. Did some research today about that forty-one inch vertical. He actually Vanderesh, by the way, thirty-nine and a half inch vertical at the combine. This wow. speaks to what an athlete he is because mm-hmm. got this from an, an Idaho station. Heck, here you go. Eight right. players, eight players before Vanderesh since 08 have gotten that type of vertical at the Combine at over 250 pounds. And the the list is pretty good. Miles Garrett, Bud Dupree, Khalil Mack, Jamie Collins, Brian Arakpo, and Connor Baldwin. That's a list of Mm. a lot of guys that have had success in the league. And it just speaks to his overall talent level. Like, 
like Isaiah said, he's got to come back healthy, and, and he says he's feeling great. That's great news. Um, you know, you've got to have that depth at linebacker because it is yep. such a physical position. Um, yep. They need a guy like, you know, Joe Thomas is a great guy to have as a reserve. Uh, Luke Gifford needs to take a step forward. He had some injuries last year. They need him to make this team and be ready to fill in if needed. Uh, but when they're healthy, man, th- this is a group that's as good as when they're at their best as any yep. as any group in the NFL. And you guys are right. Depending on how they make this defense maybe more multiple, it could showcase more of what Jalen Smith can do as a rusher and really all those guys because they've shown a knack uh, for being able to get the ball. That's right. And, Rob, I yeah. love that you brought up the point of the, the multiple, the hybrid defense. I don't think there's a position group that's going to be more affected with the new Mike Nolan way of playing defense than these linebackers, than seeing potentially having Jalen Smith kind of pigeonholed into maybe more of a pass rusher role. You have Leighton Van Der Esch in coverage. I think a guy who benefits from that a lot is Francis Bernard, the undrafted free agent out of Utah who's great in coverage. I think he benefits a lot from what Mike Nolan's bringing to the table, and he may end up fitting that mold going into 2020. But, uh, heck, I'm sorry to cut you off there, and I'll pitch it to you here, but... What do you think about the the changes that are being made with Mike Nolan in this defense and how exactly that could affect the X's and O's of this linebacking core? Well, I mean, I think it's evident anytime you have a changing of the guard uh, as far as the coaching staff is concerned that you look for a different scheme. We're looking for the scheme that best fits uh, the guys that we have. And when you talk about that, that list that Rob just went off of, I mean, Khalil Mack, you know, come on, man. I mean, that's a bad, that's a <laughs> that ain't bad. That's a that's a list of guys that you want to be in the company of those guys. But guys, look, it's the the defense itself has to make a change. We have to make a change up front. When you look over last season and you know some of the vanilla coverages that we had, we became really predictable. But when you have special athletes like Leighton Van Der Esch and Jalen Smith. You have to use them and you have to put them in the situations and the scheme to succeed. And that's what I see uh, Nolan doing. You know, we, we forget. And, and, and you know, uh, Kyle, I got a little upset with you a couple uh, weeks ago when we were talking about <laughs> Jalen Smith. And you kind of threw a little shade. Uh, but I want got everybody to remember that Jalen Smith is, is still the guy that beat Deshaun Watson to the pylon. So mm-hmm. you talk about a special athlete. That is who he is. And so if if Coach Nolan, all of these guys are really salivating to get their hands on these guys, to put them in the positions to succeed because they know that they have a bunch of athletic guys that can make make plays for them. Isaiah, I want to ask the question of whenever a new scheme is implemented and, and you do have guys that maybe see their role change a little bit, whether it's offensively or defensively, do some players take exception to that to say, hey, I am a hybrid player. I can both play in coverage and pass rush, or do they normally kind of realize what their specialties are whenever it's on the field? Every player knows what they're best at, right? And everybody, everybody's kind of comfortable in a, in a certain position and, and being utilized in a certain way. Uh, <clears throat> but when you have as much talent, as you do on this defense, I can't imagine there being anybody that's uh, so stubborn to the fact that they don't want to move around and be utilized in the most efficient way to benefit the entire team. So uh, even though guys do, you know, hey, I might be a really great edge rusher. Okay, well, I'm going to move you inside on this play. 
that's fine. If that helps us get make plays, and let's let's do it, right? So I think having a defensive coordinator that's able to put you in a position, and then having the amount of talent around you where it really doesn't matter, right? I can move around. So what if I play on the right end? Okay, this play I'm on the left, and then next thing you know I'm playing on the second level at linebacker. There's so much that could be done here when you have so much talent, and I just I really want to drive home the fact that I'm excited to see these guys get together, right, and build that continuity because when you're out there and you're flying around and you're having fun, it just reminds me of my times when I was in Seattle and and we had so much talent on defense and it didn't matter where guys were, right? It didn't matter. Guys were making plays and you're excited for your boy to make plays, and I think that's what we're going to see here. It just really depends on the culture that's created once they touch the field. And it's going to be interesting looking at how really the linebackers, along with the nose tackles, are kind of thrown into all of this because yep. you've got Jalen Smith, you've got Leighton Vanderich, hopefully completely back and healthy. All of the depth that uh, Rob mentioned earlier, I want to kind of focus in on here, though, is the unsung hero, the one that's been forgotten, even though he's been here forever, and that's Sean Lee. I mean, last year he showed that he has some left in the tank, whether it was against L.A., even against Philly on the road. He had a pretty solid game in terms of the grades that he had. I think Pro Football Focus had him close to uh, an elite grade during that that matchup on the road against Philadelphia in the next to last week of the season. But, Rob, what kind of role do you see Sean Lee having in what is going to be a new-look defense? Well, I mean, he can – I think what he proved last year is he can do, and he's probably already proved that in his career, he can do whatever right. you need him to do. I mean, he can play anywhere. Uh, he's been a middle linebacker. He's been a weak side linebacker. He accepted that strong side role, which has significantly less snaps uh, given the amount of, of sub packages that defenses play. Uh, and then he filled in for Van Der Esch. And did, you know what? I think he, he kind of told us after the year the way he played Prove to himself and especially his health too because Isaiah is right you know that's been an issue for him and he, he admits it uh, to play 16 games that has never happened in his career full 16 he proved to himself look I'm, I can still do this I can still help this team I think his role is whatever is asked of him honestly because I think I think he could do it I think he understands that Van Der Esch and Jalen are the future of this defense and he, he embraces that uh, and he is those guys will tell you he has been a mentor for those guys and I think he'll just continue to do that, honestly. That's that's a great point. That's a great point, Rob. And, and, and like you said, I mean, that milestone for him was actually playing a full 16 game season. And he did that in, his, in, in 10 years. It took him 10 years to actually accomplish that. But it's not because of any look. Sean Lee is a tough guy. You know, he is the consummate uh, captain and team leader. And we have to talk about the fact that when it comes down to the linebacker group, I mean, this is the lifeline, your quarterback and your linebackers, you know, and I was a linebacker, but those are the smartest guys on your team, right? <laughs> so you, you want those guys to be, you know, up-tempo, flying around, uh, as you said, Isaiah. But also, man, your whole team feeds off of what your defense is doing, and they're feeding off of their 11-year vet in Sean Lee who can play all of those positions. And so, guys, keep that in mind uh, with Nolan's defense because if these guys are able to put pressures, get interceptions, you know, sacks, you know, big play – plays and things like that and especially coming from your 11 year veteran everybody's calling him Paul Paul uh, but if he can actually be if he if he can actually be that guy that's the tone setter for your defense man that just permeates and feeds your whole teams and give you guys the energy and momentum that you need in those tough games man listen here Lee is the John Stockton 
He is the Steve Nash of this defense. Nothing is going to happen unless he is at the grand central station of it all. And his his job is simply to be consistent. His job is to be consistent. His job is to be the brain of that of that of that front seven. And he's just there to simply make plays like he always does, right? And be a smart player to get guys in position. If you guys don't know, middle linebacker's job is to make sure that everybody knows what the heck's going on, knows the call. He's 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 also in charge of making sure that McCoy and Paul and everybody else, all the all those guys are going to be lined up accordingly, that they're in the right shade, right? That he's able to distinguish what the quarterback's calling, right? Any kind of keys or tips that the quarterback's giving off or offensive lineman giving off, that's his job to identify that and make sure his guys are in position to make the plays. So that's what is going to be asked of Lee during this season. He's going to do what he always does and make plays. And I think he's going to be substantially more healthier than he has ever been because of the guys that are in front of him. So I think he's really looking forward to this year as well because he's never had a, had guys in front of him like this or assistance on the side of him. You know I love a good NBA reference. I love a good NBA <laughs> reference. <laughs> now, well, uh, John Stockton back in the day, the short shorts. No, stop it. You were a Knicks fan. You can't like John Stockton. Stop it. Uh-huh. So now – <laughs> With all of that being said, and Isaiah, I think you brought up a magnificent point of hopefully he's healthy enough throughout the back half of the season or even at the beginning, more so than he has been in the past. Because in 2019, yeah. he was healthy for the majority of the year. But are any of you worried about his health because of what this offseason has been? The fact that they haven't had the application and they may not have as much application of on-field time, practice reps, and being able to get your body ready for the NFL. If there's anybody that I guess could get the body ready, it might be Sean Lee, but are you guys worried? I'm not I'm not worried. I mean, you think about what what concerns we have about him, right? It's, it's his head, right? And at this time in the offseason, you wouldn't be hitting anybody anyway. So in terms of him, there's nothing, there's no concerns there. I don't have any concerns with Vander Esch at this point in time of the offseason because they wouldn't be hitting anybody anyways, right? Um, the, our concerns that we have for those two specifically are going to be when those guys get the pads on, right, and they start hitting guys. My concern with Jalen Smith is, hey, that boy's explosive is all get out. Has he been having the offseason that he needs to have because he's going to be running a lot more. He's going to be blitzing a lot more. He's going to be asked to go side to side a lot more. So these, you know, soft tissue injuries. I'm more concerned about those early on in camp. And all the fans out there, get prepared, guys. We'll get back healthy, but there will be soft tissue injuries because you cannot duplicate real live reps. And guys are going to get back. They're going to be excited. They're going to be trying to show off for their coaches. They're going to be, uh, you know, positioning themselves for, uh, you know, to for starting roles. So it's going to it's going to get real. So the physical aspect in terms of the head injuries and neck injuries, not so much. Uh, more sort of soft tissue injuries. Yeah, I don't worry about a guy. I'm sorry, I don't. I don't worry about a guy like Sean Lee. Just to to, to answer that, man, he's the consummate professional. You know that he's going to have his body ready to go uh, at the beginning. And, and for all of these guys, I mean, when you see the training that they're doing, they're putting this on on Instagram for all of us to see uh, <laughs> them getting in shape. But the same for for Jalen Smith. He knows what's going to be asked of him. And of all the guys, I mean, he had an exceptional year last year: 168 tackles, uh, which got him into the Pro Bowl. Leighton Vanderish off his rookie season being an all pro as a rookie so you know all of these guys are, are, are itching to get back to that prime position and taking care of themselves is the first thing but in COVID in, in this whole thing that's going on uh, I, I know that Sean Lee is somebody that you don't have to worry about 
He's been in the league for 10 years. If anybody knows how to get their body right and how to feel going into an NFL season, he would probably be one of the the ones right up at the top of the list, especially with some of the health issues he's had to go with and go through throughout the course of his career. Now, we're going to step aside. When we come back, we'll have a special guest join us. We'll look a little bit different when we come back on the other side of the break because Patrick Creighton, former Cowboys wide receiver, joins the show, and he's going to answer the question, just how good can this wide receiver core be for the Dallas Cowboys when we come back here on Talking Cowboys? Since 1865, Stetson hats are American-made with pride right here in Texas. And Stetson is proud to be on the field with America's team. Want to show your Texas and team pride, too? You can. By purchasing your own Stetson, you can look just like how the flag guys do on field at every home game. Stetson hats, the official crown of all self-respecting Cowboys and your favorite football team. Get yours today in the Stadium Pro Shop or at Stetson.com. Your new apartment's big. Such a great deal. Uh, it's okay. Just okay? What's not too... Right above the subway! Well, I bet you don't even notice it after the... That's my neighbor, Angus! A deal that's just okay is not okay. Get a great deal with America's Best Network. Come into an AT&T store to find out how to get one of our popular smartphones for $0 down. Based on GWS1 score September 2019. Essilor is a proud sponsor of the Dallas Cowboys. Helping fans see more and do more with our best vision solutions. Our lens technologies reveal a world more beautiful than you can imagine. For a limited time, get the Essilor Next Gen offer. Where you buy the latest generation of transitions lenses with select Essilor lenses, you can choose a second pair of clear lenses for free with qualifying frame purchases. Restrictions apply. Find a participating eye care professional by visiting EssilorUSA.com. Essilor. See more. Do more. So, you're shopping. And that's when you see it. Aisle 23. Dr. Pepper stacked from top to bottom as far as the eye can see. The phrase too good to be true comes to mind, yet there it is. A rich, delicious Dr. Pepper paradise. Wait, did, did that can of Dr. Pepper just open itself for you? They all are. As if to say, so nice to treat you. And even though it feels weird to talk to a can, you pick one up and say, it's so nice to be treated. Dr. Pepper, so nice to treat you. Back to Talking Cowboys. The ultimate fan experience. Well, well no, 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 no. <laughs> no. You got to speak. Oh, go now. Go now, Heckma. All right. Get the ultimate fan experience for the ultimate Cowboy fan. Join Cowboys United and get an exclusive DCU fan pack and members benefits. Membership starts at only $20. Visit DallasCowboys.com slash United to join today. Thank you very much, Heckma. How about that? Coming out of the break and looking a little bit different. We're on WebEx now as opposed to where we were on our normal show earlier. And we'll be popping around like we have in the past. I believe we've done this once or twice. But uh, it is different being remote as as normal i mean we're in our respective swbc mortgage studios talking cowboys here on dallascowboys.com we're still waiting for our special guest the 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 suspense is killing us patrick creighton joining the show but isaiah i want to give you a chance before we get into patrick actually being on the show i want you to preface one of the reasons why he's popping on is because you guys had a little bit of a competition last night we definitely had a little competition, and uh, <clears throat> you know, I, I, I really, I, I love competition, you know, and I uh, speak on it. And um, you know, coming into the league as a young rookie, 
there was a there was a gentleman, a young veteran by the name of Patrick Creighton that I happened to kind of stay in his hip pocket, right? I was kind of his little brother. And you know, you, as little brothers do, you know, we're kind of pests, you know, we always in there, you know, always in the ear, and the big brothers kind of throw us around a little bit. So whenever you have an opportunity to get back at your big brother, you you, you pretty much hop all over that, right? So we, we, over the past few weeks, I've been bowling. My guy down at uh, uh, Bolskis Dallas, uh, over at Lakewood Dallas, uh, they've been having a virtual uh, bowling, uh, bowl a bowlathon every Monday night. And I've been beating friends left and right. And I called out Patrick Creighton this this past week. And I had an opportunity to take him on last night. And they had best of three. And I happened to beat him in the first two games. And he decided he wanted to bowl a third game. And your boy had it. I had to bring out my broomstick, you know. <laughs> yeah, I had to bring the broomstick. It was a clean sweep? Clean sweep, you know. Oh, I, you man. Know, I, I told him he had a valiant effort. You know, and I acknowledge the fact he had a valiant effort, but it just wasn't good enough. Wow. Patrick is on the line now. And, and Patrick, first off, thanks for joining us here on Talking Cowboys. Secondly, I want to give you a chance to rebuttal. Isaiah has been talking about how he swept you at bowling last night. And I want to I want to hear from your side. Did that actually happen? And was it as dominant as he says? So let me just break down everything for you guys. Let's <laughs> <laughs> just, just, just go ahead and start from the top because – what he's not doing is he's not really telling the whole story of the reason why he got me. And I have no excuse. I have no excuse. He beat me. But Isaiah travels with 15 balls to the, <laughs> to the, to the you know, to the, to the lanes. I'm like, what the, what the hell? He had, he had a chauffeur that brought in balls and, and, he had, and a suitcase that had his balls in it. I was like, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know what I'm supposed to do right here with this. And so, and so I get there, you know, I had to go get my ball out of the attic because, you know, I don't, I haven't bowled. I had, I had put the, I had put the, the shoes up and the ball up. You know, I, I was like semi-retired. He brought me out of retirement and he had just said, he had just added what you, you added what, six more balls to your collection? <laughs> he, brought, he, brought, he brought a couple more last night. Well, I think he forgets to tell you guys that uh, he had picked a lane that's a buddy of his. So that further that further let me know that he had put magnets in the pins in his ball. <laughs> <laughs> so he had so he had a remote control on it. He had a remote control on it. I was like, God, ain't no way this stuff's supposed to do that. Which is good. Which is cool. I get that. You know, if you're not doing the Patriots model, if you're not cheating, you ain't trying. I yeah. totally get it. I totally get it. But he, he got me last hey. night. He got me last night. I think I I think I did both. No, I take that back. I was gonna say I think I bowled the highest total. You bowled a 191 game. I bowled a 184. Yeah, that's right. I know you wanted to stick with your with your with your game jersey number, you know. But I had to go. I had to go. Jay Ratliff on you on the 190. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it was. Now, but it, man, it was all it was all good fun, man. For for a good cause, uh, you know. I think we uh we won some people some things last night. I wish I could have yeah. won some people some more, but yeah. I wasn't on my A game, and and at times he was, and that's how it happened. And that's how it goes. I mean, that's how sports goes. It's got the ebbs and flows. You'll get him back, I'm sure. I'm sure Isaiah will, will probably will. be beaten. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting ready. To, I'm getting ready to uh, go over to the store in a second, man, and get me 27 balls. <laughs> <laughs> I'm put magnets in every <laughs> so now, 
Patrick, uh, as a former wide receiver and a former Dallas Cowboy, I'm sure you've kind of kept your finger on the pulse whenever it comes to what the Cowboys have at wide receiver, at least heading into this 2020 season. The the draft pick of CeeDee Lamb, Michael Gallup, then Amari Cooper and his new deal. How good can this wide receiving core be, not only just this year, but moving forward in your eyes? You know what? I think moving forward uh... – cast that we have what i love about them is i think they're all still young and hungry you know and i, I think that's the that's the main part you have i think they still have a lot to prove amari just getting a new contract he has to prove he's worth 100 million dollars uh and then you got cd and gallup coming in that are both hungry guys which i like you know i, I hate that jerry keeps wanting to put 88 on every first round draft pick that he gets uh, CD wants to make his own mark and make his own name, and and I'm like Jerry, let that man. He wants to work ten. Why are you wanting to make him 88? He wants to be his own person. He doesn't want to be known as the next 88. He wants to be known as the first ten. Uh, so that that kind of mindset is good, and I'm hoping they don't try to put him in that box of all the other 88s to where you know he has to do that. Because I'm like, well, you just gave Amari Cooper. 88 type of money, but you're giving this rookie that's coming in the number 88. So it's like, okay, well, which one, what do you want him to be? But I, I think they can move forward. I'm just waiting on them to hurry up and get this DAC deal done. That's going to be the major thing uh, moving forward because you got to have a quarterback throw to these guys. And I get it. You know, you go and get Andy Dalton. You know, he, he's a homegrown kid. You bring him back home, uh, but he is not your franchise guy. You've said DAC is your franchise guy. Let's go ahead and get this deal done. I don't care what it looks like on paper. What is the fully guaranteed money? Get it done. Move forward, Jerry, because you know he's not going to make it to the fifth year anywhere. Anyway, so that $45 million on paper doesn't matter. So get the deal done. Make it happen. Let's move forward. Now, I want to ask the question of, and Isaiah could actually answer this as well, but whenever it comes to a wide receiver, not really knowing what's going on with the situation of his quarterback, whether it's a contract issue, health issue, there's right. just a question mark over that quarterback position. How much does that affect wide receivers going into a season? But I can't really answer that simply because I've never been in this situation. But, but, but you know, you, you, it, it does add to some comfort level and continuity when you know you're going to have the quarterback you know you're going to have. So you get working. And hopefully, you know, Dak is out here working with these guys on their own. Anyway, so, you know, as long as they're doing that, let the business stuff handle the business stuff. You guys go out there and build up a relationship and a repertoire on the field. So when it comes time for September, you're ready to go. Hey, Pat, uh, we did a show together, I guess, the week of the Patriots game last November with with 105.3 The Fan. And back then it was like everything was still in front of this team. Yep. It didn't it didn't go so well in December right after that. Uh, couple two questions for you. Why, why do you think this team didn't quite take didn't take the step they needed to take last year? And I know you're a student of the game. And I know you played against Mike McCarthy's teams a few times a few years ago. Why do you think he's a good fit for this team coming in replacing Jason Garrett? You know, I think uh, he's a good fit simply because of his innovativeness. Uh, I love that, you know, him and Aaron Rodgers bumped heads because Aaron was trying to supersede the coach. Uh, but Mike McCarthy has proven himself to be, you know, at one time they were considering him the best play calling offensive coordinator in the game. And with this staple of weapons that he's going to have, I think he's going to be able to really open up that offense. 
But the biggest thing now, you know, he's got to be able to connect with Dak and, and start running the offense for Dak's strengths. And the biggest thing, you know, they're going to have is as long as they got a good running back, you know, I, I get it that they, the Cowboys wanted Dak to stay in the pocket and put the pressure on him and everything so they could justify paying him. But at the end of the day, don't take away carries from your main threat offensively. And stop telling Dak to not run the damn ball. Run the ball, Dak, when you need to run the ball. I don't don't get labeled as a pocket passer. Who cares? You're gonna get paid regardless. Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, they're not pocket passers. Deshaun Watson, they're not pocket passers. The day of that pocket passer stigma is gone. It is it is gone pretty much because you cannot the way these DNs and these linebackers come. Be a pocket pass if you want to, and you're going to be over back. <laughs> PC, man, it's Heckman Harrison, man. I want to tell you, I'm a big fan of yours, man. Growing up here in the city of Dallas, Texas, I know your history at DeSoto. Man, I've always compared you a lot to K-Dub, Kevin Williams from Roosevelt. Man, both yeah, of you guys yeah. being, being big return guys and also possession uh, guys here in Dallas for the Dallas Cowboys, but also with man with COVID nineteen and everything going on, I I, I want, I'm I'm itching to ask you about this to know what did you think about the whole draft process and you being a local guy that actually got to live out his dream playing for the Dallas Cowboys and these guys that are from the Metroplex not actually getting that opportunity to participate in Dallas Day. You know what? Uh, like Dallas Day was a, a big thing for me. You know, that, that really kind of gives you that little eye-opening experience to the NFL. Uh, but I actually like the experience they had this year because everyone was at home with their family. There was not having to go on stage and shake hands with Roger Goodell and sit in that green room dressed and suited. You could be at home with your family and enjoy the whole experience of it with your loved ones, not with the other people who in the media and everything and stuff like that, you know what I'm saying, rah, rah, and 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 hustling you around and showing you where you got to be. No, man, that's good and everything for the glitz and glamour, but it's not the real thing that you're going to see every day in the NFL. Good, man. What's got me running through a wall or wanting to run through a wall after that that question being asked? Man, Heckma Heckma smiling ear to ear with Patrick Craig. <laughs> PC, this PC hey. from DeSoto, man. I know who PC is, man. What's yeah, going I on? Appreciate it, man. Well, you know, everyone's probably yeah. you get you know recognized. Or just how your name said. I'm I'm, I'm feeling good, and, and last night Isaiah <laughs> beat the brakes off of me. So, <laughs> <laughs> sheesh, I feel well, bad. <laughs> well, Patrick, we, we thank you for coming on, and we apologize that our fellow Isaiah just couldn't couldn't at least let you win one. To make he ain't supposed to let me on. win, Kyle. He ain't supposed no. to let me win. No. That's how, but Isaiah, you know, <laughs> I'm going to get you back. I, I know. I'm going to get you back. Hey, hey, in case y'all didn't know, and, and PC knows this story, I know we got to get ready to log off, but the, my first day of practice, now remember, I got drafted. Uh, I was a quarterback, quarterback in college, but I got drafted as a receiver. So I had no idea how to play receiver. I knew nothing about it, right? <laughs> when I stepped on the field for the first day, and PC and TO clowned the crap out of me because I had on every pad that you could possibly. Everything. <laughs> he looked like a damn hockey player. <laughs> <laughs> hey, God dang, dude! Why? Why are you dressed like the manager? <laughs> so, 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 any, so anytime I get a chance to get back at PC, I gotta, I gotta take every advantage I got. <laughs> 
got to take the chance. You got to you got to get him back. But Patrick Creighton joining us here on Talking Cowboys. Patrick, thanks so much, and we look forward to talking to you again soon, my man. Man, absolutely, man. You guys let me know. I'm sorry I was late, uh, but yeah, please feel free. Hit me up next time. Send me like a notification notification text because I was I was busy. So you got to hit me up with a reminder. I have too much many moving parts. You're a busy man. We get that. We're going to do We'll do better on our part of getting you on the show quicker. But that is going to do it here for this edition of Talking Cowboys. Do want to thank every single one of you for sticking around over the last hour on DallasCowboys.com. But for Isaiah Stanback, for Heckma Harrison, for Rob Phillips, and our guest, Patrick Creighton, I'm Kyle Yeoman saying so long for this week here on Talking Cowboys. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys?